welcome to Marari Unmuted, a podcast about music, life, and finding new ways to engage the next generation of performer and chamber musician. All right. Hi, guys. Welcome to the eighth episode of Marari Unmuted. Yes. Wow. It sounded really excited. I love this. Uh, I'm really excited about this episode because this is actually the first time that we have been back together as a band since what? Day one of our episodes? Is that right? Yeah, since like, our listeners yeah. got a chance yeah, to, so. get to get to know us individually, mm-hmm. and then if they listened last week, with a subtle hint, you should go back and listen to last week. They got to hear a special guest and Stephanie and Sarah. Um, but this week we're all back together because we want to talk about something special. Um, we all have issues in our lives, right? Who doesn't have issues? Raise your hand. It's a podcast. You can't see hands being raised. But anyways, <laughs> we all have issues. And the thing that I think would be a really good topic for us to talk about today is a little bit of our struggles and how we get through those struggles in life. Because, you know, many times our struggles help bring us together. They help motivate us. They help move us to new levels in our own study and our own well-being. Um, but, yeah, a lot of those things that impact us personally help shape the who we are and how we live. Right, Matt? Yeah, and I think like we can definitely approach this from the understanding that this is uh, this is that struggle that is necessary. The struggle that we are like, like you said, that we grow from, not like the kind of struggle where you procrastinate writing a paper or doing an assignment and then you have to pull an all nighter the night before and then you're exhausted for the next two days and you didn't get enough practice in. And so you're like facing all this adversity (laughs) in your in your other classes, in your ensembles and you're feeling like crap. Not that kind. (laughs) That's not the kind of struggle that we're talking about. This is mostly like okay, what is, it's, it's the kind of struggle that you hear athletes all the way, all, all the time talking about, or like movie stars are like, oh, I had to be poor and I had to work as a whatever in order to survive. And you hear musicians do this as well. <laughs> I had to do X, Y, and Z thing, you know, increasingly with freelance performers, that sort of thing. They have to, we have to struggle through before we start like making enough gigs and having enough students to, to be able to um, survive on that. So, yeah, so I think... <clears throat> we are all people who have experienced those things. And I, I think it'd be really cool uh, for us to hear uh, some for, for you all out there listening to hear some of our experiences, just so you know that we're real people just like you. So uh, Stephanie, why don't you kick it off? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there are a number of things that I kind of think about when thinking about areas I've struggled in, in both my career and in life and how those also both connect and I think the biggest one for me was I, I moved down to, well, with Appalachia. It's not <clears throat> Appalachia. It's Appalachia. <laughs> Appal- right. I don't remember how like I used to say it. But um, <laughs> for my first basically full-time job, I live in Johnson City. And moving down here uh, both as a woman and as a queer individual, teaching the tuba and euphonium, has been what was and still is in a lot of ways a particular struggle um in general especially when i first got here i was not respected as a performer or as a teacher or really anything that had to do with what i was trying to accomplish um were there like outward signs that you observed yeah. So like when I so, for example, it, recruiting, recruiting is very difficult for oh, me. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I personally think I'm a very good teacher and performer and I'm I'm told that. But then I 
also don't both from so there's the woman element so I'm a woman teaching a low brass instrument and you know I got a lot of the like oh you're really good for a for a girl and it's like well yeah, I don't even know what that what that means necessarily. <laughs> but so I got a lot of those comments and I just noticed that band directors in the area didn't necessarily want to send their students to ETSU. They were kind of guiding them elsewhere. And then in addition, being being a lesbian, being married to a woman, um, I struggled a lot, not necessarily as much with the band directors, but with parents so there's a lot of parents in this area who, whether it's because of religion or whatever other beliefs, they did not want their children or their child studying, which they still very strongly believe. You know, it is their child, but, you know, they had pretty heavy handed and not wanting their their child to study with someone that identified that way. And I've had students that have come to me and said that specifically. You know, my parents don't want me to study with you. I've had students that have decided to come here and have said, you know, my mom or dad uh, has asked me to transfer um, because because of the way you look and because of who you are. And once they're here, like I've never had a student leave because of that. so that's been, and again, it still is, and a constant struggle. We went on a recruiting trip last year with the low brass students, and I can't even tell you how many times band directors would say things like, um, to the like, tubas and euphoniums, like, oh, we'll like, listen to them play. This is talking about the college students. You know, they play, sh- like, they all sound like strong men, and it was just like, what are you, what, what are you even talking about? Yeah, this is, oh so this is gosh. the type of mindset down here. And... I guess the way that I've kind of worked through that or attempt to work through that and I mean I have a pretty I have a good sized studio and it's it's been successful and I think I'm pretty well respected is simply just being the best version of a performer and teacher that I can possibly be and honestly that has to be better than my male counterparts so mm-hmm. I have to be a better I have to be better in every way in order to be viewed as equal and that sucks, but at the same time, why would I want to be anything less than the best version of what I can be? So I, I yeah. think that for me, that's the that's kind of the biggest example. Um, Do you think that it's hard to like to invest in a place that doesn't invest in you? I I mean, or buy into you. I have, I think, at this point, it, I view it wasn't it was a struggle initially, uh, and now. I kind I view it as maybe not a personal responsibility, but I've already affected change in the area, both for the tuba and euphonium, and then on ETSU's campus. And it's and and I mean in Johnson City in general, like it's it's really it feels really good and it's very um, I don't know empowering, I suppose to be able to affect that kind of change and see it happen. And as a result, like, yes, it's difficult, but I don't think I would trade it because if I wasn't seeing any change and I wasn't able to recruit students and it was super difficult, then sure, I probably would be seeking out another job somewhere else. But But it sounds like it's like strangers making judgment calls on surface value things and once your students stu- study with you even for a few weeks or your colleagues get to know you like there's no issue that's what it sounds like 
Yeah, it, it that is very much what it is. And once I have a chance to like show that I'm, um, well, I'm a very good performer and teacher, number one, but then also that I'm no different really than yeah. they are in terms Clearly. of human, <laughs> you know, as a human being. Uh, I mean, that's true in general, being yeah. a, you know, being in a same-sex relationship, just showing, no, you can, you can, you know, be in a normal, quote-unquote, normal relationship and have children and lead a regular life. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think that's, for me, is probably the, the kind of biggest thing I've had to work through living here. But it's been and, worth it. That's and awesome. I was going to say that that's probably something that, you like if you get another job like having had this experience like you decide to leave and you go somewhere else there it is very likely that you would have probably a similar situation and a upward battle to fight we hope that that's not the case but you know depending on the culture and the climate and whatever like uh you know wherever you were to go next it would be a similar thing too like it seems I like it it's it's not necessarily normal on every campus just yet, you know. No, and I agree. I completely agree with you. And I think even on campuses where maybe the the it's in a maybe a larger city, a more liberal area, I even <clears throat> think there people just have some kind of unchecked biases, and we're sure. seeing more and sure. more of those biases getting checked in a variety of areas of life right now. But um, I don't think people realize it a lot of the time either. So. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Matt. I think it would be still an upward battle. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that, Stephanie. I know that's probably not super easy to talk about, but you actually seem really yeah. comfortable talking about it. <laughs> it's something I have to talk about a lot. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and it's um, good that there are people like you to talk about it because it's important. Yeah, So. absolutely. Well, I'll uh, chime in here a little bit on some of my experience. Um, and I, I'd relate one of my biggest struggles to playing and kind of the identity of, you know, being a musician, being a trombone player as being a large part of who I am and how I identify, you know, in with Marari, but also in my job, in my life. And, you know, there's not a lot of people I know that don't know that part of me, you know, being a trombone player. And so... Um, I think about this time that I was pregnant with my second child, Henry, and I had a, a high-risk pregnancy for that pregnancy. And so my doctor just said, you know what, let's not play trombone. And I was about halfway into the pregnancy. And so I was looking at a good like five months of not playing before the baby was born. And, um, and I remember she told me that right around January 1st of 2018. So I was about to start the spring semester where I'm teaching and, you know, faculty brass quintet, Marari brass quintet, um, you know, gigs around town, lots of expectations for me as a professional that all of a sudden I had to conceptualize how I was just going to remove that part of my life and still maintain who I was, you know, my identity as a player and as a teacher. And so, um, I think it was just tough for me to at first to think like, what will everybody think of me if I can't play? Like, are they going to think I'm weaker or I don't like I'm going to forget how to play or are they going to stop calling me for gigs? You know, um, kind of those worries. And I think after a while, 
I just kind of realized everything was going to be all right. You know, I didn't play for like a month and nothing came crashing down. <laughs> and it was, it's you know, kind of hard to believe that though, when you're like really playing all the time, like when it's so much of your day, it's like, right. how could I possibly exist without that? Exactly. And yeah, and I was, I was too, I was like, what am I going to do with all this extra time? And I was thinking, <laughs> oh, maybe I'll write some articles. I'll do some research. Like I'm always kind of wanted time to do this. And of course, like the time immediately got filled up with like more work and other <laughs> stuff that I had to work on for my job. I thought but, you were going to um, say you watched a lot of Netflix or something. Cause that'd have been, that'd been the first thing I did. All this extra time. I have all this Netflix to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably did some of that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I was also concerned with my students, you know, like in lessons, I like to play a lot and all of a sudden I'm not going to pick up my horn to demo for them or play duets with them. Like, are they going to kind of freak out or get worried that I can't demo? And so I kind of just didn't say anything in lessons. I didn't, I didn't announce like, I won't be playing for you. I just stopped (laughs) playing and I would sing instead, or I would play something on the piano and, um, and later, like once I was back to the horn, I remember talking to one of my students about it and we were talking about what it's like to come back to the horn. I said, well, you know, I didn't play for like seven months when I had Henry. And he was like, what? You didn't play in lessons? I was like, no. He's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even notice. So I have, I have a really nerdy and brass question. Did your students, did you see any growth in your students when you kind of like changed the way you naturally taught? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I know I like mentally... I would always, you know, I'd always walk down the same road and and it would be like, here's my suggestion. Here's how I think you should sound when you do it. Here's the example. Now you try, you know, it's just like this really comfortable pattern. And so I'd find myself walking down that road and then just like hitting a dead end. So I, you know, I paved a new pathway. I just automatically was singing it. And um, I came up with a lot of new imagery things and analogies and, um, found myself like if I was like watching a masterclass on YouTube or something like picking up on those verbal ways to talk about what music should sound like rather than just, you know, an, an example on the trombone. So I do, I do think I grew, I don't know if I really perceived a difference in their um, playing or their growth positively or negatively. And, you know, my students are a lot like all of yours. Like sometimes they're so hyper-focused on, themselves and their product that they might not be noticing that there's no trombone demo coming, you know, from the other side of the room. So, but at least you um, actually got to see like growth in your own personal pedagogy. Like you had oh, to for develop sure. a different language, a different way of teaching. And that, that's a huge thing. For sure. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I do think I'm a stronger teacher because of it now. And, um, and like right now, like I've been teaching trombone lessons outside and walking like a good half mile to the park to teach lessons with my students. And I'm like, I'm not carrying my instrument. (laughs) They can carry their (laughs) instrument, but I'm not going to. And so, you know, I think about, I think that helped me to teach in the park now without my horn to demonstrate. Um, And I, and I do, yeah, I do think I'm a better teacher because of it. I did miss out on a lot of gigs. I missed out on a audition for a local orchestra and that was kind of sad, but I think, um, I think pregnancy does teach you like, even if I was able to play, it does teach you this like long-term patience, you know, just, just lo- like, just, you just got to wait nine months or 10 months or more than that to be able to go back to doing the things you want to do or 
you know, prioritizing certain things in your life. And after, you know, two or three months of pregnancy, you're just kind of like, oh, this is, this is what patience is like, you know, you really start to learn that. And I think this was just another good example of that. It's like, just really having patience until the next time I can play and learning how to get comfortable in that situation. So I do think that it's taught me, and just as a person in life, it's taught me how to take a deep breath, step back, and just know that, you know, if I wait for a day or a week or a few months, like things will get better and things will change and it'll be okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I like how both your and Stephanie's struggles are like, yeah, but it made me a better person. That's so awesome how that ends up happening. <laughs> Usually yeah, the most hardest mountain, something good comes. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that was in 2018. So that was like two and a half years ago, you know, almost three years ago. So it wasn't necessarily like <clears throat> the first time I picked up the horn, I was like, I'm a new person. I learned lots of things. <laughs> you know, it really did take months and even years to feel the benefit of that. Sure. Um, so, and that's something I would say to our listeners too, is, you know, like, if you can have patience, like do know that in time you will see your growth. You will see, reap the benefits of the good work you've been doing. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I think the thing, this struggle was something that kind of came to a head and then kind of, once I hit that point, it kind of changed the course of my, I think my life and my career as a musician. And it was, um, I was doing my doctoral solo recital and I, I've always said this, and I probably should stop saying it because it's like self-fulfilling prophecy, but I always feel more comfortable in a chamber setting and an orchestral setting than I do a solo setting. I, I feel like that's never really been a strength of mine, that I my strength is working with other people and playing together and creating those kinds of sounds. Um, so I was <clears throat> walking out, and I was clearly really nervous. And there's, you know, I don't know, 40 people in the audience or something, but it's like, you know, a lot of the brass professors were there and, you know, my family was there and my husband at the time's family was there and all that stuff. And I was really nervous. And um, I'm like, I mean, I think I'm always a little nervous, but this, like, this really felt over the top. Like I was like breathing heavy and I was like sweating and I'm not a big sweater. So I was like, what's happening to me? <laughs> so finally, you know, the stage hand was like, okay, are you ready to go? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, she has the lights, lights come up. I walk out on stage, I bow, I stand up, I look at the audience, and I just walk right back off the stage. Because I was like, Well, you didn't miss a note. Good yeah, for you. exactly. Oh, the one time I can say I didn't miss a note in a performance. Right. Flawless so, recital. So, I mean, I walked off, and I felt so bad for the stage hand because he was like a freshman or a sophomore, and he's like, I don't know what to do with this lady who's like losing her mind in front of me. And I'm like, I like, I, like I couldn't even put together words to like communicate like what I was feeling. And I was like, I was lightheaded. I felt nauseous. I was sweating. And I'm like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, it's kind of like a wedding when the person doesn't show up and you hear all this chatter, like out in the hall and it's just like messing with your head even more. And, and playing horn is like the last thing that you want to do. When you right. Play like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I'm like shaking and just like, it was really bad. And so like two minutes later, um, my teacher, Mike Hatfield, who actually uh, just recently passed away, which is really sad. He's such a mm. lovely human being. And um, he comes back and he's like this tiny, like Mr. Rogers kind of person. He was like, never raised his voice. He was always so kind and so nice, um, very supportive. And 
And like I said, he's tiny. So he's like, I feel like half my size. I felt like <laughs> just like Andre the Giant standing next to him. <laughs> and so he like comes up to me and he like, he's like a beeline for me. And I like didn't even notice because I was just so inside my own head. And he comes up to me and he grabs my shoulders and he's like, you got to snap out of it. <laughs> and I think coming from him, that was like the most perfect thing because he he like raised his voice a little bit to like basically get my attention and kind of like basically smack it out of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he and I finally I was like, oh, my God, I was like, I am so nervous. Like, I feel like I'm going to start crying. Like, I can't breathe. I'm like, feel like I'm having like a full blown panic attack, which probably looking yeah. back on it, that's probably what yeah. that was. Yep. Um, and, you know, I like I said, that stagehand kid is like, ah. I, Mr. Atfield's like, okay, you know, we got it covered here. And he's like, can you just make an announcement? We need five minutes. So they make an announcement. Okay, we need five minutes. Whatever. And he's like, what do you need right now? What do you need right now? And I was like, I need to calm down. And he's like, no, what you need is music. That's what you need. And you're going to go out there and you're going to make it. So go do it. And, um, and I was like, yeah, okay. Like, it was just like this, like, t- literally just someone smacking you in the face and, like, kind of like, oh, like, getting you out of that really horrible cycle that was um, going on. And, of course, I got a drink, kind of gave myself five minutes to, like, calm the heck down because I was just like, blah, 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 more so than usual. And <laughs> so I finally, like, I walk out and, you know, did the recital. And, you know, I can't say it was <laughs> certainly was the best performance of my life, but there were actually quite a few things I was proud of on that recital. One of them, the fact that I actually finished it. <laughs> nice. um, uh, so that was, and that was a, like, that was a really hard moment for me because after that recital, I was like, can I do this? Yeah. Um, and then very shortly after that, I, I started studying with Jeff. And so that was kind of the thing. Um, you know, it's just like so serendipitous, like the timing of that could not have been any yeah. better. And then working with someone whose thing is fearless performance. And that was through his own experience with being scared playing and those kinds of things. And to have a relationship with somebody like that, you know, really led me, I think, to a really great teacher um, and a really great experience going through that stuff with him. So now when I walk out, like, I'm like, okay, I may be nervous, but I've got a series of things I can, like, I know what I can do. And I know that no matter how nervous I am, I'm probably never going to be that nervous as I was for that. Mm -hmm. And I was still able to go out and do a job and get it done. Um, So, yeah, so that, that was, like I said, that's kind of like one of those really life changing moments where you're like, that could have gone really either way. And I feel really lucky that I had a few people that were kind of placed in my life that really kind of yeah. kind of gave me that shove through that experience, kind of jump over that mini mountain there. So, Yeah, it's kind of awesome to have uh, those people be in your life like that. Yeah. Those, those, some of those people who are just like, hey, just, you know, slap across the face or whatever it happens to be. Um, right. And it comes in all shapes, forms. Yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's Mr. Rogers and yeah. sometimes it's like, you know, what was it? Sergeant Payne, Major <laughs> Payne, whatever. <Yeah. laughs> um, I, <laughs> I was trying to narrow movie, this Matt. down. That's the good, a good movie. movie. What'd you say? Oh, it's so great. Yeah, Major <laughs> Payne, good old Damon Wayans. If you don't remember that one, um, <laughs> I was sort of trying to narrow down uh, the the struggles and, and, and trying <laughs> try not to repeat 
any that you have had. And I think that's what's going to make this so interesting is that so many people are going to have had similar experiences to us. And so I think that's that's really interesting. And, and we obviously have made it to the other end and are better for it. Um, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and, and sort of stick on the uh, sort of when I first started my uh, when I got my first real full-time job, which I realize is a you know serendipitous thing in itself, like just having a job. But all of you that are in that are maybe studying this or have studied this and then got your first job, you realize that I went to school and I basically studied you know music education and prepared to be a middle school high school band director. And then I went and got a master's and a doctorate in trumpet performance or whatever it was. And I spent all of this time learning how to teach the trumpet and learning how to perform as a as a trumpet player. And so like my whole life was geared towards this sort of thing. I love teaching and I love teaching the trumpet, right? So then you get your first job and that is about 8% of what you do. Yep. And I will never forget, I got my job pretty late in the summer. I had already like packed up all my stuff because I couldn't afford to live in Kansas City anymore because uh, I got fired, well, let go. They didn't have money for me anymore to teach adjunct at the school I was teaching adjunct at. And all the gigs were drying up. So I was like, well, I'm 27 years old and I'm going to move home. And so I just like told my parents, I was like, I put my stuff in a storage shed and I'm going to come home with a car full of stuff and hopefully live for a year. You know, it was, it was pretty, pretty rough, you know? Um, and I, I, but thankfully, like it wasn't, it wasn't too long after that. It was a few months. Um, I ended up getting this job and I wasn't going to apply for it at first because it was for teaching trumpet and horn. And I was like, what do I know about horn? And uh, I, I didn't even think. I was like, oh, yeah, surely I'll be able to get a job where I just teach trumpet. And then I had enough teachers who said, have you applied for this job? And I was like, no, it's, it's a horn, horn job. And they were like, you're an idiot. Like, literally <laughs> had people say that. They were like, you have to apply for it. Like, you don't have a job, right? So, like, you idiot. And I was like, oh, okay. Sent my stuff in and, you know, everything went well. I got the job. And it was such a quick turnaround because it was like, uh, it was like August. So I had, I essentially like got the job two weeks before school started. And so I had to move. <laughs> I had to drive my car back halfway across the country, get all my stuff, move down and, and basically like try to figure out how to be a college professor. I missed most of the orientations, by the way, oh, I had man. to go <laughs> yeah, not a big deal. Like, I, it's, it's not a bad thing to miss all those orientations, except I then had to go to many of them the next summer oh, after my job. I was like, <laughs> I've been here for a year. I already know how to. But anyway, I like it was faculty meetings. It was HR meetings. I was teaching oral skills. I was directing the jazz band. I was teaching a freshman seminar. I was doing brass methods and they did auditions during the first week of classes. So we weren't allowed to teach lessons. So I had to, I had to teach like, cause they did them all during the ensemble times or like all throughout the day. It was, it was really weird. And so I essentially like did not do the one thing I went to school to do. Yeah. Like when, that was why I went to school. <laughs> I did not do that for the first week and two or three weeks that I was there like because I was you know moving and whatever and going to meetings and then doing all this other stuff 
And so I'd never unpacked my house. It was like wow. two weeks, two and a half weeks. I just didn't unpack my stuff because I was like, every day I was like, this is not what I want to do. And I <laughs> contemplated quitting every single day. Really? Yeah, like every single day. And there was a person that like sort of helped me get through that. And that, <laughs> that was our department head at the time. And she just said, I want you to meet with me at the end of every day. And then oh, she was like, and awesome. we'll just talk. You ask me any questions you have. And, and like just going and talking to her. And we ended up, I ended up meeting with her at the end of every single day for like the entire semester. Wow. Because I just needed somebody to say, you're doing okay. That's like, great. here's a thing yeah, for you to do. Awesome. And, and I think obviously like the, the, all of the different positions that I had and learning to manage my time and the, like the students that I had at that time, I learned so much about how to teach the instrument. I learned so much about the importance of your other academic classes and, you know, and how to sort of tie all of those things in. And I, I just, I, I grew so much in that first job. I do not think I would have been as successful in my other job since then. So that's something that I will always remember and always be a little bit like uh, uh, twitchy about, you know, when I think about it, like, oh no, like when I think about those times, but also it's this tremendous, tremendous, tremendous period of growth for me as well. Yeah. Wouldn't you say that's similar for a lot of our students that get an ed degree or a performance degree is they might imagine they're going to do this one thing and they end up doing so much more or so many, you know, such variety of things. And I know so many music educators, the first year is just so hard you know, just such a huge culture shock and, and change of pace. So I, I hope that a lot of those people can kind of identify with this feeling, being super overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah I think no matter I think what it, I think it's do. a very big thing for a lot of kids now because, like, obviously we have these fantasy goals, what we have for our, our occupation. But when we go about the process, like, you're exactly right, Sarah and Matt. Like, you just step into that first job. There's like, there's not a class that we had in our undergraduates or our graduate programs that covers how to order buses to go to a marching band competition, <laughs> or how to deal with administrators, or how to fill out like a PO order with your bookkeeper at your middle or high school, or how and to so help like, students when they come in your office crying every day. Oh my gosh, yeah, it was like all these things that come into play. Like yeah. we should probably like, I mean, I, I have spoken in kind of like casual settings with our administrators. We're like, we should have a class. It's like not a music education class, but a class that kind of talks to kids about how to handle administrators and like office paperwork or administrative tasks that mm -hmm. come about in public schools because that's a huge thing. And if we yeah. have our students walk in the classroom prep for that stuff, bang a rang, baby, we're putting them ahead of the step and they're not going to feel the same way Matt felt on his first job, right? For sure. Right, except you'll probably have a bunch of people drop out of the music education program because they're like, I don't want to do all this. Yeah. <laughs> you just keep it, you just keep it a secret till they get That's the job. That's why they keep it a secret, scale. so yeah. they can keep people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, like, for, for me, you guys have talked about a lot of these ups and downs. Like, it's, I, yeah, obviously in my life I've had a lot of, ups and downs but like the thing that kind of hits me the most recently i mean if if those listening at home and those you uh my quintet here looking at my face you can see that i'm very happy most of the time right um and so for me i'm very much a people person and kind of like the most recent down that that comes to mind is kind of like this whole pandemic thing kind of impacting our musical society 
And I mean, as you know, mm-hmm. I love being around people. I'm very much an extrovert. I get my energy from being surrounded by others. And, you know, God love you, bless your heart. I'm from, you know, where Stephanie lives now, so I can say that. Now we can talk bad about people. But, like, when we go into Zoom meetings, like, this does not fulfill my, my egg, <laughs> my, uh, my energy level whatsoever. Yeah. I would rather play video games and sit at home than, than look at pretty faces on a screen. Yes, that was a compliment to everyone. Of Thank you. Um, but, like, Thanks. yeah, that, that's, that's been a very hard thing for me. Um, I, I unfortunately, I live away from my wife currently. She's active duty on the East Coast, and I live out here in Salt Lake. And so, yes, I'm married. I have, I have someone that I love, but unfortunately, when this pandemic hit, I wasn't able to go home to them. I wasn't able to walk through that door and say, hi, honey, I love you. It's good to see you. Man, my day sucked. I had to wait till she got off work with her being active duty. I had, I had to wait. You can't call her at work. Um, so it was it made me feel very, very alone. Yeah. And that sucks. It's, it, it sucks, especially as a musician, when most of our entire life is built around ensemble performance or in uh, collaboration with others. Yeah. Heck, like yeah. the things that I love the most about my job is being able to work on solo repertoire with, with either my, my colleagues here or students and stuff, being able to talk to them about musical things and, and sitting in a brass quintet with you guys and, and joking and picking at you guys. Like that's, that's half the fun of being mm-hmm. a musician. And then that's suddenly taken away from you. And so I spend all my time now, I mean, not now, but obviously we're back at school and I've, I've spent the entire summer with my wife, which has been a blessing. Um, but during that first part of the pandemic, it was, it was pretty dark. Because, I mean, obviously you had, you had no one you could lean on. We are all in a brand new thing that we never experienced. Yeah. And so it's just been uh, definitely a, uh, a self-study, if you will, hmm. about what we're doing. Um, but I mean, like, not not to get ahead of ourselves, but like to talk about a couple positive things that kind of, you know, impacted what what happened is, I mean, I started to dive into new projects and I started to dive into maybe a new hobby. Um, you guys have made fun of me in, in the past uh, about my my stupid golfing habits. <laughs> uh, if you if, if you haven't followed me on my Instagram, Peyton Sheldon at Peyton Sheldon on Instagram. <laughs> uh, I mean, you can see like one of the things of the pandemic that's kind of come about is like uh, like a rejuvenation in my love for golf. And in th- that that experience itself, it's allowed me to kind of like equate a lot of things that happen in that sport with my own instrument. So, like, the connection of the breath mm-hmm. is the connection with the backswing and, like, the articulation, making sure you're bringing the tongue back to the same point, you know, where the ball is. And it's, like, the all the mental battles that you deal on the trumpet, I'm able to take some of those things that I would be getting out of an ensemble experience and taking it to the golf course and smacking stuff around. I mean, I can't do that with my horn. That thing's expensive. But I have a golf club. I'm beating up against a tree. Yeah, let me do that. <laughs> but, that's, but that's obviously, like, that's a very – mild thing to make a comparison for but i did find growth in my own playing just having me you know get outside in the summer and another thing that i've experienced is try i've tried to make a big difference in um making myself better at recording myself and doing video editing and trying to dive into the digital side if you will of kind of chamber music and music performance and that's totally something positives like most of us would not have the time to dive into. Right. Correct. You know, if we were normal, because we'd be out off traveling, playing our gigs, doing our Mm -hmm. things live. And so it's, I've, I think I've noticed that across the board for all of us. We're all like, we all have much better equipment now. (laughs) And uh, we know what we're doing. (laughs) But it's it's been a blessing. It really, really has. I mean, just, just to see, 
um, to find that time and to find that growth in myself um, has been a very big up for me. It's just to, because I mean, obviously we get stuck in our own jobs and we're obviously moving along in our lives and we're doing all the work that we have to do um, and raising our families and everything. But like when this happened, it, it opened the blank slate in many ways for me personally. Um, I mean, I, obviously I don't have any kids yet. We want them bad, but it gave me an opportunity to really be like, all right, Peyton, let's, uh, let's, let's better yourself. You know, chicken, chicken soup from my soul. Well, I'm glad to hear that in that time that you felt really alone and felt, you know, maybe even scared of like, what, what do I do? I'm all by myself that you were able to find, you know, things to help you focus on certain, you know, aspects of your playing or, you know, with golf. I think it's cool that you found some things to help occupy and kind of bring you out of that place. Yeah. I, I know, I know that in, at certain points, especially when we were very much in the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, am I even going to be allowed to drive home? Are, like, are they going to like quarantine me? Right. State yeah. Pass through. And so I, I got kind of scared. It was just like, am I just going to be stuck out here and never be able to see my wife until, until this thing's over. And it, it was, yeah. I mean, obviously you, you weigh those, like uh, you watch all those like apocalyptic, like 28 days later movies. And you're like, Holy crap. <laughs> I got, I got a barricade my door shut. It's like, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. But I mean, like, yeah. So yeah, I thought about a lot of stuff. But I, yeah, I, I said I found positive things to make changes, not only in my playing but my personal life as well. That's fun. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the pandemic, I think that, like, you know, it's it's something that we as a group have uh, sort of we've we've obviously had some challenges as well, like throughout the years, and um, I'm sure, like, you know, Jesse can. Uh, certainly tell us about some of the early days of uh, our early struggles. But I will say that like this pandemic has been a struggle for all musicians and all yeah. chamber groups in particular, um, especially, you know, those of us that are used to traveling and <laughs> performing all over the country or in different countries. It's it's something that has just been forget the the, the sort of like monetary drain and the financial drain, although that hurts really, really badly. Um, uh, like just the fact that this is our creative outlet just taken away from us. And, you know, all of you have probably done these collaborative sort of things where it's like, okay, I record my part with a click track and then somebody puts it all together. And you know that it just doesn't really feel no. It's it not really. I, I shouldn't say it doesn't really feel. It just absolutely does not feel like <laughs> playing, like making music together. Yeah. So I think like for a group, this this time has been really tough for us as well. However, we have come up with a bunch of like new projects, and you know, with our commissioning project, and we have a really special thing that we're working on that's a secret right now, but um, but we're planning to get done in this year. But we're all really, really excited about it. But this podcast being another thing that we've we've come up with, and and again, we all have a little more comfort. So uh, we as a group have grown from this as well. Does anybody else want to share their like? a Marari <laughs> struggle that we've had? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, certainly, I, I think this is one of the biggest ones we've probably had to manage. And I think in the history, certainly of the group, which um, I guess kind of when you look back at it, I mean, this sucks. Full stop. <laughs> What's happening right now. Um, but if this was the worst of it, that kind of makes me feel good for like what's coming up. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I, I think the, probably some of the hardest moments I 
for me, I can't speak for everybody in the group, but it's like when we've had to replace people because you get so used to like being with people and you understand how they work and playing together and you know, how you make music together. And of course, because we're friends, it's not like you're just losing like a trumpet player. You're losing a trumpet player and somebody who's a really good friend of yours too, like specifically Alex. You know, we're still really close. We talk almost every week from Tajikistan to here, which is really, really great. But like yeah. I said, you know, it's it's not only losing a musical voice, but also kind of a friend um, in the group. And that, that always felt really hard, hard for me uh, to manage. I mean, I think we have been incredibly lucky with certainly the people that have come in the group with Matt and Stephanie. Um, Sarah's kind of more here from the beginning. Um, and then, of course, Peyton. You know, we, I think we've just been... I'm glad that that has worked out the way that it has. I was has. waiting on my name. I was like, yeah. you, you want to say it? Yeah. You, you want to let it hang? We've been He's really lucky with other people. Uh, and All then good luck except off. for Peyton. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Love you guys too. Yeah. So, I mean, I, like I said, it's it's kind of interesting through this conversation that every time somebody's brought up a struggle, it's like, but here's the good that's come out of that. Or here's a way that it just gave us an opportunity to shift the paradigm and reframe those thoughts and say, okay, well, what what can we actually do you know like it doesn't I you know it gets to a point sometimes where you feel like you're just punching in punching out every day and I think going through this kind of experience with what we're going through with the pandemic um it's really really forced me and I I think I've cultivated some new relationships that have really been like hey you remember when these things were important to you and these are the things that set your soul on fire why aren't you doing more of those things and I kind of got like drop kicked into being reminded about that by some people here and and that's that's you know like i said although i'm sad that we were put in that situation i'm i'm really glad to have been able to have the opportunity to get some perspective and i I think we've been able to do that as a group to really look at ourselves and say what are the things that we can offer that are important um and i think we're all great teachers um and, and and us being able to kind of you know, lean in a little bit more to some of those things, lean into this podcast, which I think we're all really kind of enjoying. Um, these things might not have happened had circumstances been different. Very true. Very true. All right. Let's wrap it up with like just a speed round of some, uh, some things that were positive, some highlights, some ups that have happened. We talked a lot about downs that sort of became ups or created ups. And I'll just say, as, as a performer for me, I have loved like recording albums. Um, and so like our album, most recent album was one of the first things that I felt was pr- produced in something that I was a major part of, not just some tiny little member, but between that and like the solo album that I released, those have been some super positive things that I know I never would have been able to produce without what I've gone through. Uh, and I think for me, it's it's been interesting because there are some aspects, as I mentioned at the beginning, about you know working where I do and doing what I do that is a down. But if I didn't do the job I did, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have time to do like Marari, to have a family, to keep up with like my fitness and health. So I have all these wonderful things in life that I'm able to enjoy uh, and take a part in uh, because of what I do for a living. Yeah, and I would add for me, you know, I talked a lot about taking time off from various things because of pregnancy, but I was very happy to get a healthy baby out of it. So um, Mm -hmm. I'm also really thankful for my family and um, having that part of my life to just enrich everything that I do. 
And it's always a very positive thing for me. Yeah, I think being in this group, one, I mean, I knew Alex, but everyone that came into the group after that, that was the first time I'd kind of really met and hung out with that person. Um, so I just feel really grateful for not only through Marari, but even the jobs that I've had. Um, I've met some really amazing people that have really enriched my life in ways that I can't imagine my life without having those things in it. Some um, just I think things that that help me move forward in my life with positivity and, and feeling fulfilled um, as a human being, especially living in a small town. Um, the fact that I've been able to meet some really, I think, important people that have changed my life for the better has been one of the great things about being in music. Awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, how <laughs> cute is that? Oh, I hope I'm one of those important people. Yep. Um, well, as you see, uh, we've had many struggles that we've all dealt with. We've had many positive things come from those struggles. We've grown as individuals. We've grown as teachers. We've grown as uh, human beings. And some of us even grown outward because I got fat over pandemic. So that's how things work. Um, but anyways, so tune in next week. Oh, you like that drop? That was good. Um, they can't see me on a podcast, so it works out really well. But anyways, uh, so tune in next week, or not next week, but tune in two weeks from now for our next episode. Uh, you know, make sure you keep practicing, stay safe, stay healthy, and as always, stay, stay unmuted. unmuted. Yeah. <laughs>